Do you watch the show on Discovery Plus? No. I watch it on YouTube. Okay, I watch it on Discovery Plus, and every time I open the app, there's a picture that says disappeared, and it's just a canoe in, like, the middle of a quiet lake. Number one, we've never had an episode that involves canoes. I have no idea what it means, but every time I open it up, I think it's a douche canoe. Hi, Ellen Marsh. Hi, Patricia. Are you goddamn ready? My God, we are starting 11 minutes after the hour. Ellen has been snortling, eating, (laughs) fucking bread ripping out of her mouth. At one point, she sucked a yogurt pack. I don't know. Yelling at her daughter. I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm going, still waiting. Still waiting. This is what it's like to record remotely, you guys. Did we bump up the remote recording an hour? Because if you also, why are we recording on Sunday? Okay, we're going to start. We're going to start. Why are we recording on Sunday? Because my internet was broken on Friday when we were supposed to record, I guess. Yeah. So first of all, you know what? When I say say first of all, you better run because I have research prepared. I have data. I have charts. I will destroy you. You will never win. Okay? You guys. You moved this. Join us on the Patreon over, I don't know, 40 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge right now. Three bonus episodes a month. You also get ad-free versions of these episodes. You get to be on our, our close friend circle on Instagram. You got more to say today, sis? No, I'm eating dried mango as you talk away from Ew. the microphone. Ew, I can hear the mucus at the back of your throat. Oh, my God. Can we just you go with- disgusting. Can we do the ad now, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Season 6, Episode 8, Radio Silence, tells the story of the disappearance of Randy Morganson. Backcountry ranger Randy Morganson was the go-to person if someone was lost or injured in Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park until the day he vanished. Randy didn't get lost. Randy wouldn't get lost. His colleagues searched through dramatic and dangerous territory. The vastness of the terrain can just swallow you up. And uncover unsettling secrets. He was very despondent. His mind was someplace else. But no one can figure out What happened to Randy? It's almost unheard of that he could just disappear. Now look, before we get into this. No, 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 I'm gonna speak first. I'm gonna speak first. Yeah, you're the man. You speak first. Come on. This episode combines everything I don't understand. It's the outside and the nature and the animals and the snowing. I was like, this is as good as dubbed in a foreign language for me. Okay, good story. Can we skip to the chapter where you shut up and I start talking? Okay. I said that all much more clearly and succinctly. And it's, we're back in the mountains. I know. We seem to be in the mountains a lot. You know what they say, though, if you're ever going to go missing on purpose, like if you want to murder somebody and get away with it, or you want to like drop out of your life and have people think that you like are dead in the woods, go hiking and then like disappear yourself. That's how they say to do it. Maybe you don't give hints on how people do that on our comedy podcast. Can you imagine me trying to get away with murder? Can you? I'm going to get away with this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get away with that. Where the backcountry rangers work, you get up into the alpine country, uh, 10,000 feet and above. You just have open meadows for miles through summer, flowers coming out. It's just a pretty magical place to be. This high, isolated beauty is exactly what veteran backcountry ranger Randy Morganson takes in 
as he starts his day at his ranger station. So we meet this guy, Randy Morganson. He's a backcountry ranger. I don't know what that is. I do know a very sexy X-rated movie called Backcountry Ranger. <laughs> I'm going to get into your backcountry. <laughs> mm-hmm. What else, babe? Come on, That's I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to no, give you some time to do your it. set. You want to do your set? Come on. Backcountry ranger, come on. I did know this they do a lot of talking about the back country and the front country i have never heard of this but whenever they're talking about the back country uh-huh. right yeah you are definitely more of a front country kind of girl i don't think there's a whole lot going on in your back country <laughs> any republicans on the tinder get into the back country this summer or was it just all straight up front country okay I- <laughs> the sun is up on the granite peaks of the sierra nevada the snow-capped range that traverses 850,000 acres of the Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park in Northern California. Kings Canyon National Park is probably the best-kept secret in the state. It's more rugged than Yosemite. We have deeper canyons and higher peaks. So we start on Sunday, July 21st, 1996, and we're talking about this place called Kings Canyon National Park. And I said, apparently this place is the tits, as Ellen would say. (laughs) It's better than Yosemite. Don't even fucking say it's not. The people at Kings County will get real mad if you try to say Yosemite's better. Well, it's 150,000 acres, and we meet this trail crew leader who works there. Her name is Lori Aldrich, and she explains to us it's the best kept secret. And I was like, you kept 850 thousand acres a secret are you okay you want to take that all from the top girl no i really don't i'm exhausted it's sunday and i'm malnourished you guys i got the booster yesterday i feel insane so you're getting me and i'm punching situated above ten thousand feet the station called bench lake is the summertime home base for randy's 80 square mile patrol area his job is to report on conditions in the wilderness and be on call as a medic, law enforcement officer, and search and rescue aid for hikers and climbers moving through this remote section of the park. I just saying, like, what is this job that he, like, lives out in the middle of the fucking forest, 10,000 feet up, never sees another person? He's a ranger that's there to offer, like, assistance and first aid and, like, search and rescue help to any of the hikers back there that might need it. He checks on people. He answers questions. If someone gets injured, you know, he loves his job. Well, they say that his job is mostly helping people and making sure that they're okay. And they say that he's good at his job because he's got a jovial personality to which I said wait would I be good at this job no should I go do this job no never <laughs> never absolutely no you put in the Steve Carell no no please no no that one. Oh my, oh my God. God. You're not that jovial. Honestly, look at him twisted with like have a martini across the room that he can't get his hands on. He is not jovial. My other thing is like, where does Randy shower and poop? These are real questions. Does he just shower and like, does he poop in the woods and he waits for a rainstorm? Is that what it is? I'm, I'm, that's a real question. He probably goes down to a creek and washes himself. And yes, he poops <laughs> in the woods. What kind of stupid oh questions are these? I don't know. I don't know how the pooping goes. I really don't. You guys, he is so concerned about pooping at all times. Do you remember? Like, you really concern yourself with people's bowel movements. I will say, one time recently, I was on a little plane without a bathroom, and I was like, what if I have to poop? Then what happens? That situation have come up at least once. When you were little, did your mom ever say, do you have to go to the bathroom? Because there won't be a bathroom here for a couple of hours. (laughs) 
You're the parent, bro. That's the question you have to ask yourself. Just like most mornings, Randy finishes his coffee and gets ready for an extended patrol. Then he would start putting his pack together, sleeping bag and tent, getting four or five days' worth of food together. He then packs his most essential piece of equipment, his handheld two-way radio. Finally, Randy writes a note, fixes it to his tent, and hikes out into the wilderness. And then his best friend George is like, and then we had no idea where he went. Right. I was like, is this it? Is this all we're getting? And then Christopher tells us that the Sierra Mountains, now Christopher's words, not mine. Somewhere in the vast wilderness of the Sierra Mountains. They're vast. They're vast. They are quite vast. And then we meet Randy Kaufman, who's like the boss of the Rangers. And he says like in the backcountry in this mountainous area, they have six to eight backcountry Rangers. And like we were saying, they're the first responders for search and rescue. They're like literally out there saving lives. It's a very dangerous job. And Christopher calls the wilderness unforgiving, which is the first time I've ever related to the wilderness. <laughs> you and the wilderness can hold a grudge. <laughs> and then he says another comment that I actually related to. He says, nature isn't out there to hurt you. It just happens. The nature isn't out there to hurt you. It just happens. And I was like, <laughs> honestly, like I could have saved thousands of dollars and years in therapy if I just followed like a park ranger's motto, I guess. Totally. <laughs> They're not out there to hurt you. It just happens. I'm like, okay. Thanks for the transparency. I appreciate it. On the morning of July 23rd, Kaufman is informed that one of his rangers has failed to report in for the third day in a row. My assistant said, I thought you ought to know that we haven't been able to contact uh, Randy in a couple days here. Okay. While certainly out of the norm, Kaufman is not immediately alarmed by the news. I was not overly concerned. It wasn't unusual to have radio problems in uh, some parts of the park. I'm just saying, after three days, can somebody ask a question? Can someone get in a fucking helicopter and go, three days with not checking in? And when they say that this morning check-in thing is like the most important thing they do all day? And now, now, I'm only reiterating this because everybody reiterates this. No one was concerned. No one was concerned. And they say that like it wasn't unusual necessarily because all of the rangers have radios, but there's like dead zones for tens of miles all throughout the park. So this would happen sometimes. And I was like, we need to fix this. Floodlights yep. and cell service everywhere. Like, I don't know where I need to get that tattooed on my face. If you are a back ranger and you are risking life and limb for these idiots who go into the woods, which, as I've said before, is almost always walking in the opposite direction of the bar, you're risking your life to keep these people <laughs> safe. Let's make it so there's no area the fucking ranger can't reach you via radio. That can't be that hard. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say, too. <laughs> I recognize it's 1996, but I feel like there has to be a better system. Luckily... Lori Aldrich and her maintenance crew had been working a section of trail only a few miles away. Our crew had been camped up about 9,000 feet elevation. It was about nine miles from his camp. Hey, Randy. And Randy came over to get a new radio. Nine miles. He had to hike nine fucking, and I'm like, he's hiking nine miles without a radio. Do you know how many fucking Bigfoot or mountain lion he could encounter in the ensuing miles? You have to walk nine miles to get a new radio, and that's just like what you did for work that day? (laughs) I'm genuinely not coming for you with this statement. Yeah. I don't think nine miles was a lot for them. Nine miles in the mountains? And look, this is no shade because Lord knows I couldn't do this job. We meet all these people for whom nine miles is no big deal. They don't look 
look like right. they're in great shape, sis. These are not the yeah. people that, like, you see at the gym. These are not the people that are, like, running the road races. Like, we've seen some fit-ass people on this show. These are not them. Right. These are not them. Right. These are the ones that okay. are drinking moonshine with Bigfoot at after sundown at 6 o'clock. Okay? You are on fire today. Moonshine I- <laughs> with Bigfoot? I do think nine miles is a lot for Randy. No one says how long it takes him to walk the nine miles, by the way. It's not like he walked nine miles in an hour. It could have taken him four fucking days. Nobody cares if they get any contact from him. So who knows? <laughs> you're, on, you're on one today. <laughs> so that nine mile hike on the other side of that nine mile hike was Lori, who we were introduced to before. And she wants to tell us that everybody loved Randy. She was like, I was happy to help with the radio, but I was also just happy to see him. <laughs> While the hike to the camp was an inconvenience for Randy. For Lori and her crew, it was a welcome visit from one of the most senior rangers in the park. When Randy was in the area, he knew he was always welcome at our camp, and we loved having him. And that's the thing, like, every time these rangers see each other, they sit down for hours of baked beans and conversation. And I'm like, aren't you supposed to be looking at the glacier and making sure nobody's dying? Why are y'all talking so much? You're taking a lot of breaks, rangers. And the other thing I had to say, too, was when he took this nine-mile hike, I was like, (laughs) I was like, were all the helicopters broken? Why are you making him walk nine miles? You are, I don't know what kind of (laughs) deep-seated hatred you have that's coming out in front of all of our friends and family right now about rangers. But, babe, you, girl, better help is back. You need to see someone about that. <laughs> no. You are full fine. of I piss and vinegar. I'm really just full of questions. I told you none of this makes any sense to me. They are leaving their families for months at a time to go live in a tent in the woods to help other people yeah. get across streams. I don't get it. And sometimes they want to sit for a cup of joe with their ranger friends. Why are you coming for them? Because they want to sit for five seconds and have a cup of coffee after he just hiked nine miles to find a goddamn radio. Just looks like they took a lot of breaks. You know what I mean? Looks like they okay. take a lot of breaks. Wow. Randy grew up with an idyllic childhood in Yosemite Valley. He met a, a cast of characters, people that are just legendary. He carried Ansel Adams' tripod around as a kid. Randy loved to write, and he loved photography. He was a person who was surrounded by not only wilderness, but men, men and, and women. women who loved wilderness. To which I said, I never need to go to any of their parties. Not ever. <laughs> Honey, I don't think you would be invited. It's adorable <laughs> that you think you would be. They're like, Should, you know that chubby podcaster, the loud one? He's not He's not on the list. No. I was going to invite him just for fun. No, he makes fun of our lifestyle all the time. Nobody wants him here. But he, he makes really good drinks. We'll hire a bartender. I will pay for the bartender. Like, honey, you were not on the guest list. You weren't even on the B list. No, it's true. It's true. But he becomes, like, as he gets older, he becomes a seasonal ranger in the backcountry. And he meets and marries a woman named Judy. We don't ever meet Judy, but when we do hear about Judy, I don't love her attitude, to be honest. Yeah, I'll get to that later. Yeah. yeah well, we, we have a lot to unpack about Judy. But don't forget, there's more on this, but you just said he has to reapply to be a ra- Like, do you lose your rangering skills? I think there's a difference between people who are seasonal and people who are, like, year-round. And so we don't know what he did during, like, the off-season or whatever, but he would have to come back and reapply to be a backcountry ranger. I can't imagine it would be amazing to, like, live in those woods in December. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't go in the best of times. But he was just an outdoorsy person, and everyone said he was a lifer. Like, everyone respected him. They respected his life. Of course, Patricia exclaimed. Yeah. Randy's wealth of experience is another reason why on July 23rd, 
his boss isn't terribly concerned by his lack of contact. When was the last time you checked in? Randy Morganson, every drainage peak, as well as every flower that was out there. I had no concern about Randy being alone, but because it had been uh, three days since the last contact with Randy, I uh, felt that we needed to at least do a welfare check. I have a question. Yeah. If it's three days, uh-huh. like, what's the concerned, like, threshold? This is why I'm not a good person to cover this, because I don't understand any of this. Right. Like, to some people who listen to this, this all makes perfect sense. Like, oh, no, we're mountain people. We just, like, vanish off the face of the planet for three days, and we're all fine. I It doesn't make any sense. If I can't find right. Daisy two minutes after she says she goes to the bathroom, I cry and make a martini. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, grasp here, but that doesn't sound responsible either. So. <laughs> I just, I wouldn't be good at Randy Kaufman's job because I would be concerned and apparently you're not allowed to be. So I'm not doing that job. <laughs> right. This is Kaufman. I'd Kaufman like puts a call out to the ranger patrolling closest to Randy's station and asks him to hike in and see if he can determine what's causing Randy's communication failure. Uh, if he's having radio problems, over and out. He sends him the next day. Right. Like, I just imagine <laughs> that phone call, him being like, uh, Hey there, Bill. Uh, but, you know but what? this is my thing. We never meet this guy. We don't know what his name is. So I yeah. continue. Uh, hey there, Bill. It's uh, Randy. Yeah, the other Randy seems to have been gone for about three days. I'm not worried. But um, <laughs> could somebody uh, skadooch on up that hill? And then I imagine Bill being like, I have, I am making a house of twigs and berries. No, he's today. like, well, I would, but I just sat down for a conversation with my friend Lori. We're on a break. <laughs> So unfortunately, we're having beans and coffee, and that's going to take eight or nine hours. I'll go in the morning. Don't worry, Randy's oh, fine. I, know. I was like, does any is is urgency? I in know anyone's right. So he doesn't go. So Randy, who apparently not concerned, hasn't reached the threshold of concerned yet. Yeah, is like, you know what? That'll be fine. Go tomorrow. <laughs> That'll be fine. Everything will be fine. I gotta say, it's a little annoying that the guy who's missing and the guy who's looking for the missing guy have the same name. It's a little yeah. inconvenient in this storytelling yeah. <laughs> for us. Because we're not that smart. It's early morning when one of Randy Morganson's fellow backcountry rangers arrives at his camp at Bench Lake. Randy Morganson. But there is no sign of him. When he got there, he found a note on the door that said, Ranger on patrol. The note is dated June 21st instead of July. Apparently, it's just a mistake, as Randy wasn't on site in June. I mean, who's to say? I know. They don't know what day it is. They're just like, is it June? Is it July? Does it matter? I'm in the woods. Who's counting? I'm going to go eat my, my porridge and sticks. You yeah, know? and he says, you know, the, according to the note, he was like, I'll be back in three or four days, which honestly is a wide window. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. could you be a little more specific just in case you go missing and we need to know where to look and when to look for you? Just be a little more specific. So the note said he would be gone for three or four days and basically like, don't touch my shit. My shit is here. Please don't touch it. It's exactly the, I'm leaving this shit exactly the way I want it. Come back to it. So if you're here, don't touch my shit. I'm going to be back in three to nine days. Please don't look for me and please leave my shit alone. But I'm like, also, where is this ranger? We'll see episodes where there was a gas station attendant from 1985 that the person said one thing to. And we'll get a full interview with that guy. This ranger, not a word. Not a word. He's in the mountains, Patrick. I know. And leave you know him alone. He just sat down to beans and coffee with Lori. So he is unavailable. He is, he is unavailable. He is, I am in for the night. <laughs> Sorry. But according to the note, the ranger who shall not be named. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to. Because he doesn't want to be. 
look, it looks like he should be back any minute. It seems like he was going to be gone three to four days. If he was in a patch where there's like no surface or whatever, it's not weird that he wasn't in communication. He should be back any minute. We're just going to wait. And Kaufman's like, great. No need to worry. Yeah. <laughs> and so then Kaufman's like, you know what? So it has been four days. You know what? We should helicopter up there. And then I was like, you had a helicopter this whole time? No, that's what I keep saying. It's like they, the helicopters are reserved for the very specialist of occasions. Very special. We, is the helicopter fuel super expensive? Like, let's just get those coppers going. <laughs> there should never not be 40 helicopters in the sky. Yeah. What is that? Those are the rangers in the helicopters. Yeah. Because we don't want them being on foot, so they're in helicopters. Like, like your radio runs out of batteries, and you got to hike for nine hours. Can I get that copter? Can I get no. the copter? <laughs> I know they've I know they've got them. I know they've got the helicopters. I just know it. Four days after 54-year-old backcountry ranger Randy Morganson's last radio contact, and with no sign of him at his ranger station, his supervisor Randy Kaufman orders a crew of Randy's closest colleagues to report to his camp. It was unusual. I thought, okay, I need to meet with some of the more knowledgeable backcountry rangers and get their ideas of what they thought might be going on. Could you imagine having the time in your day to just sit down and be like, let's just think of some thoughts. <laughs> no, no, no. Have a seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. C- yeah. Pop a squat. Yeah. Pop a squat. We're just going to talk about some thoughts I know. for a while. <laughs> and the other thing, too, they make these senior hikers hike to Randy's camp from wherever they are. They don't use yeah. the helicopters to go get them. They're like, we'll see y'all in nine hours. I'm going to sit in the copter till you guys let yeah. me know when you get there and then I'm going to copter in, okay? Among them is George Durkee, a senior backcountry ranger and Randy's oldest friend in the park. I think mid-morning, I got a call on the radio um, that Randy hadn't checked in. What's going on? I wasn't hugely concerned. I mean, your attention level sure goes up, but we all have radio issues. So that was my first thought. So we meet his best friend, George Durkee, who was another senior ranger and his dear friend. Also, George, not concerned. He says, you know, we all have radio issues. And I was like, radio issues I know, seems I know. to be your main issue. Can we fix the issue re- surrounding the radio, which seems to be your only issue? Because y'all seem to be really happy and content in the woods, except for the radio. Because the thing is, you can save a life at 10,000 feet. You can solve all these other, like, unbelievable problems, but you can't fix the fucking radios? Yeah, it- genuinely seems to be their only issue but they all have the issue i was like so let's hone in on that one thing that we all have an issue with anyway but it's not just the fact that randy isn't answering his radio that's troubling george for months george has watched as his friends struggled with gradually escalating signs of depression if there was any one person who was a brother to randy in the ranger ranks it was george and he knew that randy was having a tough time We learn now that George, Randy's best friend, knew that Randy had been struggling with, like, escalating depression. And we get the George and Randy friendship backstory. I don't think there's any smoochy smooch that's gone on between the two of them. I think they're just friends. I don't usually think that. Can someone write this date down? (laughs) Just write it down, just so we have it 
in the archives. <laughs> the one time to just write it, just write it down. Everyone write it down. They both have such thick mountain man beards that I can't imagine if they wanted to find each other's tongues, they could. I think it would just get lost in the forest oh, wow. official. <laughs> so you're beardist. That's a new one. Remember one episode ago where I had never heard of mountain men? So then ID gave me an episode full of fucking mountain men just to yeah. prove that they were real. So we learned that, like, starting in 1993, which is, like, three years before the action of this episode. Good math. (laughs) I hate you so much. I'm glad you're not in this room. You know what I mean? I hate you. Oh, you're such a cute little nugget. I just want to eat your little face. (laughs) Go ahead. No, help Tell yeah. the people more how good you are at math. Tell them how we're at 1996 and going back to 1993 a straight little years. You are so good. You are so smart at many things. You are so smart. Oh, my God. He lost both of his parents that year. It was a really tough year for him. And he, like, lost interest in his writing and his photography. And then, insult to injury... After 20 years of marriage, Judy, Randy's wife, was like, you know that thing we do every year where we spend six months living in a fucking tent and eating squirrels? I don't want to do that anymore. I like my yeah. ha- I like my house and my running water. And so, like, yeah. it's, like, legitimate irreconcilable differences. Like, he loves Judy, but he also loves pooping in the river. And he cannot right. decide which one he likes better. So they break up. It always comes down to pooping. <laughs> Yeah, he was struggling. And, you know, Judy wasn't visiting him because, to your point, she was, like, sick of eating squirrels and sitting around over beans and talking for hours and And hours. we also know, like, coptering in is not an option. You can't. She's going to have to hike all the way back. She's not doing it. But the thing about this writer is that I didn't think he was going to be prominent. I guess he wrote a book about the case. And so do you ever do that where you're like, oh, that guy's not going to come back. But then they become yep. like the main talking head. And yeah. I didn't and go back like, and write down his name. Back. Yeah, scroll back. So I just call him some hot writer. He's pretty hot, I will say. Great. Compared to the mountain men, the bar was not set very high. So this guy's like a strong six, but like he's doing it for me in this episode. I'm sorry. Are you still talking? I blacked <laughs> out. <laughs> When Randy packed for the summer of 1996, the heaviest item that he said he packed in his backpack was divorce papers. And let me tell you from experience, those papers are like a little fucking war and peace just in your fucking back pocket. There's a lot of shit and it doesn't make sense. I had to tell my lawyer several times to talk to me like I was a five-year-old because I had no idea. Can't you just sign them? Like you have to read through every page? I didn't. I was like, does he not have to be in my house or my bed anymore? I'll sign this. Like there you fucking go. Like what? I know. So many pages and so many long words and there too for all thous. Yeah. Defendant, plaintiff, you know, she doesn't want that. You just like no longer wanted to be the property of your husband. Right. Exactly. So I signed it, but it is. She's thick. I was probably about a week, maybe less, before Randy disappeared. He gave me a call. George, it's Randy. Hey, Randy. So we chatted for a while, and he definitely did sound a little down. I was his closest neighbor, so I said, Boy, it'd be great to see you. Come on up. George is also saying he remembers a call they had the week before Randy went missing. He says he called me, and then we see them on walkie-talkies. These people have never seen phones. They don't even know they exist. This guy went right from, like, carrying tripods for Ansel Adams to living in a tent. He's never seen a phone or a car. He knows that that flying helicopter machine that they get to use once a year, that's it. (laughs) I can't quite remember the exact sequence, but he ended it with... He said, I won't be bothering you anymore. 
And now George is saying like, oh, I guess that was like a red flag that I missed. Yeah. And so George was one of the rangers that went to Randy's camp with a couple of the other rangers. And again, it appears they weren't worried. They were convinced. (laughs) They were convinced he was going to show up and see all his ranger pals and be like, hey, guys, is there a party? And during this time, they're trying to like analyze where they would go. Like if you were missing, I would analyze. I just wanted to be a little more specific about what they do. Apparently, if a ranger goes missing, they gather the other rangers. And, like, I'm not making a joke. It seems like they say, like, everyone go find a tree and make a pie chart. And give me percentages of what you thought happened. And they literally, like, make a percentage chart. It was like, this percent, this probably happened. And this percent, this probably happened. They say they always leave 1% for the rest of the world. This is a very weird tradition that the backwoods hikers have or whatever to figure out what happened to their lost brother. Yeah, to make a long story boring, basically, (laughs) they just sit and they do. Wait, if it were me, what would your pie chart look like? If you had to write a pie chart of where you think, like, the probability of where I went, what would it be? It would be a pie and 90. 97 would say bar doesn't have to be gay specifically just has to be closest yeah and then the three percent is a hospital because i know you love i know you love a quick jaunt to the hospital so we used a a consensus uh, method it combines the thinking of your best people to try and make a determination if i were randy where would i be going next and he really liked going up into the lake basin The group agrees that at dawn, they will start looking for Randy in a spot that he was known to favor, but had not yet visited that season. They agree to go look the next day. (laughs) 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 And what it is, you guys, I'm not laughing. This is very serious. But the lack of urgency, they're like, ugh. You know what? I am spent from all this journaling. Let's <laughs> let's start walking tomorrow because the, honestly, I know the beans are cold and I am tired. I have a writer's cramp, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> let's go tomorrow, and they're like, let's go to his favorite places. They're I like, know. yeah, tomorrow sounds great. Tomorrow, <laughs> all in favor of tomorrow, say aye. <laughs> Meanwhile. Park's special investigator, Al Dela Cruz, is brought on site to launch a criminal investigation. I went to Bench Lake to look and see if we might find anything in the cabin that would uh, provide information as to why he disappeared. While the rangers were there to try and find Randy, assuming that he was injured somewhere, Al's job was to investigate all the other potentials. So they've got the rangers in the backcountry sleeping it off and waiting until tomorrow to go, like, look around <laughs> for him in the woods. But Al De La Cruz is, like, he's the one who has to investigate the idea that maybe Randy died by suicide. So he goes to Randy's tent and campsite, finds nothing out of place. Then they realize that Randy has a gun, like a gun that was issued to him. And they're like, fuck, if we can't find his gun, then like maybe he did go into the wilderness to kill himself. But like they pry open his little footlocker and his gun's right there. Guys, I don't think he killed himself. Yeah. They make a lot of, oh, oh, oh. But then they also find his personal journals and like your daughter going through the text messages. They sit down and pour over them. (laughs) Yeah. They go through his journals and his logbooks. We'll get to that later. I was just like personal fucking journal. That is my worst nightmare. Like somebody like sitting down and going over my personal journals. I mean, I know. yeah. I know. Use your imagination, friends. Use your imagination, my down bitches. Part of the problem is Randy's way of moving through the mountains. Randy was extremely low impact. 
He once said that he'd like to walk the entire length of the John Muir Trail, 211 miles, and not leave a single footprint. They said he was a low-impact walker, and I was like, that's Patrick's kind of walking. (laughs) We're all extremely careful hikers. We like to think we don't leave any sign of ourselves. That's kind of the idea of what we do. He wasn't going to leave a fire smoldering. He wasn't going to leave aluminum foil wrappers laying anywhere. If anything, Randy was picking stuff up, not laying it down. Made it tough. What kind of walk do you want to take? I don't care. Just make it low impact, honestly. No, it's it, my favorite kind of walk is a drive. Ask Steve. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> my favorite kind of walk is an Uber. But like when you're alone in the woods, could you try to leave a fucking trail? Maybe we no, wouldn't have because... to look for you for three hours a day. No helicopter. If you left a fucking trail so we know where you're going. But they're supposed to. They are a guest. You are a guest in the mountains. You are a guest in the forest. But footprints so... are not a carbon footprint. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he tries to leave everything exactly the it's Uh. opposite to you you would spring glitter you would have smoke signals you would leave your high heels like cinder fucking rella i'm just saying like like, walk around like a gay moose think about it this way the amount of like time and resources that went into looking for him if he could have just left like footprints so we saw what direction he went in you're right blame the victim yeah could you could you have left Prince, you asshole. I'm sorry. This does not make any sense to me. I am all about recycling and like limiting your carbon footprint, but your actual footprint, don't be ridiculous. Hold up that giant plastic bottle you're swigging your water out of like you haven't had a drink for years, you camel. You <laughs> recycle. Okay. I really do every day order a Dunkin' Donuts coffee on the app and I get a new cup every day. Yeah, you're disgusting. <laughs> To compensate, Randy Kaufman very quickly increases the number of searchers and resources dedicated to finding the missing ranger. In addition to about 100 searchers, I believe we had uh, eight dog teams, probably the same amount of helicopters. Yeah, apparently they were like, so remember when we weren't getting too worried? I th- right. <laughs> Now, looking back in hindsight, I yeah. feel like we should have worried a little bit because now we're fucking panicked. Right. Now we're in full because we were we were doing a lot of journaling. Not important. Anyway, the point is we're all looking for him now. And the thing is, like De La Cruz, he reaches out to wife Judy. Oof. And this is where I don't appreciate her attitude. Like, I Judy, look, I get it. He's not your problem anymore. But like she tells De La Cruz that Randy was really distraught when he left to go into the backwoods over a month ago. And she'd only had one call from him where he called and said, like, can I come home and work things out? She told him it was too late. And she says she asked for a divorce. And then she says, you know, it is possible he's just out there trying to worry me. <laughs> yeah. Judy was non-pulsed. No. Um, she... <laughs> Judy non-pulsed. was like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, no, he's probably just trying to piss me off. Um, He asked to not get a divorce. What she's saying is that, no, he's actively hiding from you. He sees you guys looking for him. He sees George literally fucking crying. I feel like George, like water started coming out of George's eyes at 50 years old when his friend went missing. That had never happened to him before. He's like, my face is broken. But but fucking Randy's (laughs) hiding. He's he's playing hide and seek with these people. Yeah, I mean, she was less than helpful. (laughs) As the sun sets... Morganson's supervisor, Randy Kaufman, awaits the arrival of a state-of-the-art heat-seeking helicopter to try and locate Randy in the park in case he is injured and incapacitated, or on the off chance he is intentionally hiding out. 
they have helicopters coming out of their ass. Now they've got so many helicopters. You get a helicopter. You get a helicopter. And they go out between midnight and 3 a.m. And they find a fire by Randy's patrol area. And they think there's a person laying down beside it. This is the middle of the fucking woods in the middle of the night, you guys. This is like as remote as remote can be. And they're like, well, this might be Randy. Like, we got to go check it out. And quickly Kaufman is like, no, it wasn't Randy. It was really sad. And then I was like, so I'm assuming it was Israel fucking kiss? Who was yeah. it? <laughs> Who's just like lying out there in the middle of the woods next to a fire? If it's not Israel fucking keys, who is it? It is. It's him. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine anything more terrible? It's like uh, lying, just sleeping next to a fire 10,000 feet up in the middle of a fucking mountain range. Why? Who does that? And those mountain people wouldn't know who they were because they never go down to like the mainland or whatever. So they'd be like, what's your name? He's like, Israel. Israel what? Keys. Never heard of you. Carry on. (gasps) So remember those log books that they found in the tent from the year before? This shit is bananas. These stories are crazy. (laughs) They learn that mild-mannered Randy had a couple altercations. As Al begins examining Randy's logbooks from the previous year, two entries stand out. There were two altercations that Randy had. One was with a horse packer and the other was with a climber. Apparently, two summers earlier, Randy stopped to take a look at a group of horse packers shoveling snow on a high trail when one of them got aggressive. You guys, he literally, like, like the summer before, he was, like, on patrol or whatever. He comes in contact with a horse packer, whatever the fuck that is. And he apparently started talking to the horse packer. The horse packer charges Randy with a fucking shovel. So Randy calls the guy's boss and gets him fired. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't know what any of this is. I didn't realize when they said he was a horse packer that that was a career path. I was like, oh, a guy on a horse who's got a pack of stuff. And then they yeah. were like, Randy called and carried him out and was like, this horse packer was being disrespectful to the mountain. And then the horse packer right. was fired. And I was like, that was a job? The horse packer was being disrespectful to the mountain. Oh, my God. But then he like then Randy in the same week comes upon this group of hikers and literally Randy is saying to them like, girl, your food isn't packaged in the right way. Like bears are going to come and eat you. This is not how you fucking live out here. One of the hikers gets loud with Randy. So Randy gives the guy a ticket. (laughs) And this guy, rather than threatening physical violence, this guy goes and writes an op-ed about how mean Randy was. He writes an op-ed. Way to use your words, everybody. If it was 2021, he would have made a TikTok about it. Listen, if it was now, now he's like, ugh, I just got to write this stupid article. Come 2021, I'm making a TikTok about this bitch. I'm telling you, why are you mad? Like, Randy is just trying to get you not eaten by bears. That's all. That's all. He doesn't want to clean up your fucking bear-eaten ass remains. That's all he's trying to avoid here, everybody. No, he's a hero. So they were like, could it be those guys? Like, maybe those guys were so mad that they came back 10,000 feet up to elevation to really, really get back at him? Maybe. Also, when you encounter Counter Israel Keys in the middle of the fucking woods in the middle of the night. Could you also ask if maybe he's seen Randy? Could you ask that guy a question? You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair point. Ten days after Randy Morganson's last known radio contact, the massive search effort to find him has turned up no clues. And search leaders are beginning to grow concerned about the well-being of the crews working tirelessly to find him. We've got nothing up here. This terrain was highly technical, dangerous, to the non-seasoned hiker. And so we had to use a lot of caution because the last thing we needed to do was get someone else hurt 
or worse. Now, this search is really, really dangerous. And one of the searchers has a search dog. They're looking, you know, in the mountains. The search dog is very respectful of the mountains. (laughs) And he signals down to a certain area, but the little pup pup falls in the ice. I know. It's very, like, it's very scary. And, like, the handler of the dog, like, pulls the dog back out and then, like, refuses to let the dog do any more work that day, which I totally, it's fine, I understand but the yeah. hot writer is here to be like, well, the thing is, the dog like hit on something. Like that's like that's yeah. where the dog was going. But the handler was so concerned with the dog's safety that she just took the dog out of there. And then nobody looked in, further into it. They're like, we think the dog hit on something, but you know what? It's quitting time. Let's all yeah. let's all go to Judy's for beans and coffee. Let's get out of here. <laughs> we need minimum eight hours tonight. Are we all in for eight hours? I got a lot of feelings. The theory that Randy may have been assaulted by one of two men possibly holding a grudge against him from the previous season proves to be a dead end. Both of the individuals were able to provide alibis. uh... With nothing to go on and their friends' prospects grim, many of the searchers latch on to the idea that maybe Randy wasn't missing at all, but had intentionally left the park. It wouldn't be the first time in recent years that Randy had done something completely out of character. Now we learn that Randy was having a fucking affair. With who? <laughs> With fucking who? As far as we know, it wasn't George, at least. But I'm like, I don't know. I Well, now at least we understand why Judy's attitude was a little sour. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, she was prickly. Judy was prickly. And she has a right to be. She didn't throw him under the bus either. She wasn't no. like, well, go ask Martha, who he's apparently fucking on the side of the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, bitch. Well, you know? like, and that's why they're saying, like, maybe his marriage broke up because of that. And then he was really depressed. And he either took off, never to be found again, or he killed himself. And so on Thursday, August 1st, 1996, they call off the search and everyone is like brokenhearted about it. But all the backcountry hikers are like, the official search was called off, but like we never stopped looking. And this is when they're like, we looked the next year and we looked the next year. And it's like, oh God, are we ever going to find out what fucking happened to this guy? Yeah. I mean, they had searched 80 miles of terrain and we're talking like terrain. This is the mountains. It is, you know, the best kept secret. It's better than Yosemite, (laughs) as we already learned. Way better than fucking Yosemite. Them. Yosemite fucking sucks compared to this place. Yeah, they'll be they'll be like uh, they'll be at a coffee shop and they're like, ugh, we should go to Yosemite and be like, bitch, that ain't even the best place. <laughs> and they just go like fisticuffs yeah, it, about it. You must be new. It's a mild summer day in the mountains, almost five years to the week since Randy Morganson went missing, when a maintenance crew working near a rugged mountain creek gorge stumbles upon something. A trail crew was hiking off trail in the Window Peak drainage when a kid found a backpack. Okay, these words will never make any sense to me. A trail crew is hiking off trail. As we say on TCO, (laughs) if you go into the woods, you either find the body or you become the body. And so, like, these fucking kids are hiking off trail. Bigfoot and dead bodies aside, that shit is not safe. It's not yeah. safe. The trail is also is already precarious. You're already really, really in a in a weird situation. Then you're gonna go off the trail. Why would you go off the trail? I do not understand. Should we go on a walk? Like a really hard walk <laughs> on a trail? Yeah, but let's go on the harder one. Let's go. Off, off the trail. The trail. Off the trail. You and I need to open a gay bar in the middle of the woods called Off the Trail. Oh, that'd be a hit. Yes, bitch. But this kid finds a backpack and they find a boot with 
phones in it. Yeah. And they say the pack and the boots were the brand that Randy preferred. And so, like, all of a sudden, Kaufman hears about it and George learns about it. They're all sent to the area and they treat it like a crime scene. They find Randy's radio with the knob still turned on, which is very important. And then George walks a little farther down this river and finds Randy's shirt with his badge on it. So there's no question that these are Randy's remains. Right. And so we see a picture of the shirt and the badge and Randy was found. It was super tragic. And because it was just, you know, five years of, you know, the looking and the uncertainty. The area that they found him was this place called Widow's Peak and it drew Rained. And the thing was, that area was searched. It was searched multiple times. And what they're yeah. saying is like they knew it was one of the areas that Randy liked to go to. And they say what they think happened is that he, you know, like he, like his brain was all over the place. He was thinking about his wife. He was thinking about his divorce. He wasn't paying attention. So he made a rookie mistake, which was just kind of not looking where he was going. And he stepped yeah. on a patch of really thin ice. And this is brutal. The way they describe how he probably died was yeah. that he fell through the ice in this river and the water was rushing so quickly that he immediately was like pushed under the water into like a cave. Like they describe yeah. the ice as a cave where basically yeah, like under wedged under it. And he like then was in a spot where he couldn't get, break through the ice and he drowned. <sighs> like to me, I like lost my breath at that description like yeah. that is like the fuck other than like the inevitable fucking falling out of the sky in an airplane which how does that not happen every single day this is the worst way to die and you know they all took a moment and they kind of like took solace in the fact that randy at least died where he was happiest and, yeah. and in the mountains and i was like okay it did it seemed really tragic and really sad but he is very i mean like if you google his name there are so many blogs and posts he is so famous and well and loved and respected in this ranger community and it's all just really sad and I wish I had something you know prolific to say about mountain safety but I just don't go there no. <laughs> you know so say something funny the only mountains we know about are your Grand Tetons batch <gasps> bow 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 banana. you guys we love you so much hey if you're looking for more ellen and me join us on the patreon three full ad-free bonus episodes every week plus a little something extra you also get ad-free versions of these episodes you also get to be on our close friends circle on instagram which is actually one of the funnest places to be on the internet i think on the internet on the whole internet internet. and speaking of the internet you can join us on our facebook group which is the obsessed with disappeared podcast discussion group where we sit around for eight or nine hours a day over beans and coffee and talk about our days and our lives. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, you guys. The Disappeared Pod. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore. What is yours? Ellen Marsh. Okay. Ellen Marsh. It's just my name. It's just Ellen Marsh. There's no dots. There's no lines. There's nope. no ampersands. There's no questions. Yep. It's just Ellen Marsh. And I spell it with a Y. And my Instagram is way funner than Patrick's. <laughs> Why do I have 30,000 more followers than you then? Honestly. <laughs> I don't know because you're yeah. super you're super problematic. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this was no fun, but we love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. We have a little backstory as it, we go. We, we have a little. <laughs> did you just fall? I fell did in you my just chair. Fall? I did. I fell in my chair. What I know. Is actually I wrong don't know. with you. 
Meanwhile, I'm like reprinting paper on the back of sheet music to send out our merch. <laughs> I'm like, I need to use this paper again. Oh my it God. needs to have a second life. What's the writer's name? I wrote him down before. Oh, I have some hot writer. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely, no, you put in the Steve Carell. No, no, 